individual. And Ayn Rand said the smallest minority is the individual. But again, it comes down to looking at people as groups. If you can turn people into groups, into conglomerates, what do you do? You take away people's individuality. If you take away people's individuality, then they feel like they no longer have to think for themselves. And there is a, a queen bee, a hive mind that is thinking for them. They are turned into useful puppets, into, into slaves who will do your bidding because they don't want to be ostracized from the group. It's again, and the same thing happens in the Republican Party. Oh, you're a Republican and you might have some some ideas about how, you know, I'm trying to use some sort of example. Uh, FDR's New Deal, his public work programs were actually some good for the country by giving people jobs, even though it was a government program. That that something like that could get you expelled from from the party, like something like that. You know what I mean? But people won't go up and say that there are differences of ideas and this kind of stuff because they're too worried about getting expelled from whatever group they're a part of. If you've been paying attention, you know the global economy is transforming. The BRICS nations want to see the end of the dollar reserve currency, and many countries are joining their effort. The Western banking system is the most fragile it's been since 2008. The highly respected Weiss Research Group accurately provided advance warning on which banks are going to fail with 99.3% accuracy after the 2008 crisis. They are now predicting that a whopping 4,243 banks are vulnerable to failure, and 1,210 of those banks face imminent failure. When this situation comes to pass, it will dwarf the 2008 banking crisis. The only asset that has historically weathered a storm this severe has been precious metals. It has never been a better time to buy gold and silver to protect your family. Contact Miles Franklin at info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me and you will get the best service and the best prices on gold and silver in the country. That is a guarantee from them to me. Remember, info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me. Do this now to protect your assets and the ones you love. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Will Witt coming to the program. This young man, he's the same age as my son, and I just really enjoy talking to these young people, but he is very bright, and he's had probably a couple billion views on his videos. He does a lot of these videos where he walks the streets and talks to people, and I'm, we're going to play a couple of them during this interview, so you can just see one of them with the Mexican, where he dress, dresses up as a Mexican, and they talk about cultural appropriation. He's on campuses and all these people are mortified. And then he goes and talks to the Mexicans and they're like, hey, man, you look great. And we like it. And he did that with Native Americans and with Chinese as well. I, I got to show that video because I guess that one got hundreds of millions of views. I think you'd appreciate it. But we talk about that age group and where they are mentally. And the, he's he's a pretty smart, astute person. And so it's really, it was really fun talking to him. I think you will appreciate it. He has a book called Do Not Comply. And it's something I talk about a lot. Just don't comply with what's any kind of BS that they're trying to throw at us. And he has a new book talking about that. I think it's very timely. And so this is a really good conversation that I think you'll, you will enjoy. And maybe it'll give you some insight into this this generation. And that's what I wanted to talk about. And he's inter interested in history, the alternative history. I mean, once you start thinking down this road, you start realizing that so much of what we've been told is a lie, right? And so this younger generation is really changing and looking at it. Of course, there's huge groups that aren't, and we, and we talk about that as well. And how does the breakdown of the younger ge generation, you know, what is that and where are they at? And it's really insightful for 
our generation that grew up differently and are just horrified by everything that we're seeing right now. So <laughs> I enjoyed this one quite a bit, and I think you will too. But before I get into that, I want to talk to you about Dr. Dean's parasite protocol. I'm going to put this image up on the screen. And these are the types of parasites in the human body. I mean, you can get roundworm, hookworm, they called it a fluke. Look at that one nematode, nematode, and a tapeworm. All of these things are in our bodies and that's what we're dealing with. And I'm going to show you his website so you can see these. You know, he has a parasite protocol and it helps get rid of these things in your body. And what happens when you get rid of your parasites? You have increased energy, you have less stress, which how many of us need to reduce our stress? And then your digestive health is so much better. I mean, these parasites are absolutely disgusting. So I welcome you to go to bravetv.store slash Sarah. Use the coupon Sarah and you can save money. And maybe this is something you do before the spring comes. Just really clear out your body of parasites. It's something that we should all be doing and feeling better. Okay, look for the link below or go to sarahwestall.com under shop. Okay, let's get into my very interesting discussion with Will Witt. Hi, Will. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I have, I'm really interested in a lot of the little things that you do to change culture. And before we get into that, I want to talk first about your book, Do Not Comply, because, you know, I've been saying that for a long time the best way for us to deal with this is to simply not comply. What is the point of your book and what is the messaging beyond that or even that that's in your book? Why is it so important for people to read it? Yeah, well, the point of do not comply is about a lot more than just COVID and vaccines. When you think of do not comply, it's about not becoming a slave. There are people right now in this country, the elites, the bureaucrats, the Democrats, uh, big media, big pharma, big food, all these different people who want to turn you into a mindless slave, a mindless consumer, a mindless leftist, a mindless whoever that doesn't know how to think for themselves and just goes along with the status quo. So when you are not complying, you are not just complying or not complying with any of the COVID stuff or those kind of draconian measures, but you are going against all of these things that the elites want you to do to turn you into that kind of slave. It is a, a difficult thing to do. I'm not going to say that it's easy for everyone to, to stop complying with all these things. Some of these things we comply with and we don't even know it because they've done such a good job at, at masking it as the things that are very good for us and we have to do all these things and it's the right thing to do for your fellow man as an American, you know, call out your patriotism for not complying with some of these things. But once you figure it out, how they're keeping you down and turning you into a slave, then you can break free from the chains. And so about half of my book is really the tools and the systems that have been put in place to turn us into those slaves. And then the second half is how we get out of it. Well, you're young. We were talking before we started that you're the same age as my son. You guys graduated the same year in high school. What are you seeing in your age group? Because, you know, I, I have young people around me all the time and I talk to them and things. And my kids are were exposed to things a little different than uh, most kids, right? Because I've been doing this for over a decade. So they got to see a lot of different things that normal kids probably aren't around all the time. So, uh, you know, they think a little bit differently, but I hear a lot. What is it? Or what's going on in your age group and what do you think is the most important thing that messaging that gets out about what? your age group and where you know where that culture is at 
Definitely. Yeah. I think there's three basic things that are happening right now the most in my age group. One, you have a lot of people who are actually turning to be very much conservative, very going towards Christ, and very much so traditional values. They want to escape the cities. They want to escape their email jobs. They want to go live off the land and, and, and do things holistically and, and, and live as as people are really intended to do so. And so that's a small minority of people, but it, it's really growing now. A lot more homeschoolers, a lot more homesteaders, like these kind of things. There's a lot of young people who are starting to get into this kind of stuff. Then you have the crowd that is the radical left. And there are many people joining that crowd because it is now a new religion for people. As God dies in the West, people need some sort of religion to latch onto to give themselves meaning. And so they find leftism in climate change and trans agenda and gay agenda, whatever it might be. Black Lives Matter agenda, and that becomes their reason to live. And so you have a lot of young people who, instead of finding any sort of meaning from Christ or just, you know, their own self-worth, really, of, of creating something beautiful, doing something amazing with their lives, they find it in these leftist principles. So then you have that. And then the third group is the apathetic group who says, politics is so corrupt and horrible that I'm just not going to care about it, or they're content with just living a life of, as I talked about before, slavery, unfortunately. And many of them, again, they don't even know that they are these slaves but they're content with the lives that they have, their lives of mediocrity and laziness and and anti-God anti and, and, and a life of despondency. And so you really have those three groups. I'm not seeing right now many people who are kind of in the middle, like this moderate type of group. Maybe in the older generation, they're still that, that lasting. But in younger people right now, with how much they're on social media and how much stuff they have access to see all the time, People have chosen their sides, and, and the, the apathetic group basically is, I would say, the largest one. Well, that group kind of exists everywhere, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's not unique to the young people. Uh, I think what's interesting is the fact that so many of the young people are moving towards this populist movement of just looking at truth and reality and, and pushing back and saying, I don't want this that's the do not comply, right? I don't want this. One thing that uh, my kids experience going to parties with kids their age is they're, they went to one party where there was open Satanists and it kind of freaked them out, but there was open Satanists and Satanism is a, you know, for my generation, you, you couldn't do that kind of stuff. You can't be open Satanist. Nobody would want to be around you. But in your generation, People are not afraid to be open Satanists. What do you say about that? Have you ran into that? I myself haven't ran into open Satanists. I purposely moved out of Los Angeles about two years ago to move to rural Florida to be away from all of those kind of things. Because I didn't want to deal with any of that kind of stuff anymore and, and do my work in a place where I felt like good people were, good community, uh, good health-wise, all that kind of stuff. And so I haven't dealt with any Satanists recently. But I do know that going to to all the universities and interviewing students, I encountered some of these types of people. But I think social media plays a big role in that. And you have social media where people can find these kind of niche things, like being a Satanist or some sort of weird eco-terrorist kind of thing. And they can find a place where they can all join together and be a part of this group. And then they feel good about themselves because they are a part of a group. You see, it's, it's, it's not about being an individual and thinking for yourself and feeling good about, you know, you are created in the image of God and now I can do amazing things with my life. It is, I feel secure as a person because I'm a part of a group. I feel like my life has value because I'm a part of a group. And, and conservatives fall into this too. You they know, do. conservatives fall into the same thing. Republicans do. You have all these, uh, these political people on both the right and the left who fall into those groups and it gives them meaning in their lives, you know, false meaning, of course, in the political world. 
but they, they, they definitely fall into that no matter what your political spectrum. And so you have something like Satanists or whatever, and these people find each other and then they derive meaning out of that, out of this, this new religion that, that, that it, they find some sort of meaning in because they won't go traditional means. So, but uh, talking about the populist thing that you were talking about, you are seeing so many people latch onto this populist movement because populism is not an inherent right-wing value. You know, populism is just a, a an idea, and it's very left-wing in the sense of of you know the the proletariat and rising up against the powers that be, and it's also very right-wing in the sense of taking down a liberal leftist elite. And so you know that's why in 2016 you had Bernie and Trump being the two people, both populist candidates on their respective sides. So populism is very powerful right now, um, but I think there are definitely some problems that come with with such a big populist agenda. Is that so many people are then again coming into groups and, and following some sort of leader instead of really following God in that sense. If you had a, a godly populism, you know, something along those lines, I'm not exactly sure how that would work, but, you know, something along that where they are, they are rebelling against man-made institutions and using the power of God to try and overthrow these things and fix them, then I could see that being a good thing. But when you have this new age populism that is so focused on, again, the political world and political dynamics, man-made realities, it's not doing as much good as I think people think that it is. Well, uh, you know, the concept with independent media before recently was supposedly that it's more, it was more pure. You're just questioning everything. You're trying to figure things out. You're not you're realizing the left and right paradigm isn't really what it should be. It's all more about an up and down from freedom versus oppression. Right. And and I think the the old independent space, media space was always that. You weren't worshiping anybody. You're just trying to figure out what the heck is going on, right? That has been replaced with this controlled alternative media where they are trying to turn it back into this divide and conquer situation. That's how it feels to me. What are you seeing? Yeah, well, you have some girl graduate from UC Berkeley with blue hair. She moves to New York City and starts writing articles for Apple News. And then some guy in a small town in, in Wyoming is reading this newspaper that this person wrote, right? They're reading the news online on their phone. So you are no longer getting communal values, community values. You're no longer having a small paper that gives you the news that you need to know that is based on your interests and needs of that community. It is all just homogenized into one giant conglomerate of media that just wants to get as many clicks as possible and doesn't really care about the reader. And, and myself, just recently, I mean, I was the editor-in-chief of a newspaper. Uh, it was called the Florida Standard. I just recently shut it down about two months ago, but I was doing that for over about a year and a half here in Florida. And what I can tell you from working with the other media organizations around and, and seeing how they act and seeing what they do is that they are not just they are not just hiding the truth from you. They are actively lying to you in so many respects. I mean, the way that people are bought and paid for the media, that stories are bought and paid for, the blackmail to run certain stories and put certain things there. I mean, you won't believe it unless you're actually in it, seeing what is going on. I can tell you it is not what people think that it is, some sort of free press in America, you know, because we have the First Amendment. It doesn't work like that. And, and people need to pull the wool over their eyes or or stop thinking that, you know, the Constitution's going to save me. Constitution is not going to save you. It's a piece of paper, unfortunately. You know, it's not going to come in and, and save all these these rights that we have taken away. Every single day, we have more and more of our rights taken away. During COVID, we had our rights taken away. During the Black Lives Matter riots, we had our, our rights taken away. You know, we have illegal surveillance in this country without a warrant. 
and these are our rights being taken away, but the Constitution is not protecting us from these things, unfortunately. So it's going to take a, a really informed populace to actually make change about these things. But again, then you go back to that apathetic group who thinks none of this matters. I don't need to worry about it. All the pol politicians are evil and they miss the point. Well, we have a broken, we have a lot of broken institutions that are mm -hmm. thoroughly corrupt to the point where they're not functioning properly. Like our, we just saw with COVID, all the medical institutions, but we have a thoroughly corrupted judicial system where we no longer have a trial by jury. It's all these, these controlled, coerced, blackmail controlled judges who are making all these decisions. And there isn't a more obvious point on that when you look at January 6th or you look at how Trump is being treated or other, I, I see all sorts of people over the years on both sides of the aisle, anybody that's actually fighting the establishment is is subjected, subjected to this. Do the young people realize that these institutions are failing them and we need to do something or are they not yet aware to this degree? Yeah, I mean, you can see the same thing with the George Floyd. I mean, the failures within that, right? And, the, and how yeah. that whole trial went. I mean, it was the, the media against Derek Chauvin, you know, not the, the jury versus him. You know, that's what it really came down to. I think the young people in this country are seeing it, but it's almost funny in the sense that it's like, depending on your political side they pick and choose, right? They cherry pick. You know, sometimes the judicial system works for them when it goes in their favor of what they believe. And then when it doesn't go in their favor, they say, oh, it's all broken. It's all terrible and terrible. So it's like a, a picking and choosing of, of so many people and, and not really realizing the under the underlying corruption that is happening. You know, they're kind of just waiting for the good thing to happen. And even though it doesn't always come around, if that makes sense, you know, it, it's, no, yeah, yeah. They, they can't see their own hypocrisy that it's some it seems so random. But so what made you wake up so young? You're pretty astute for your age and you've been thinking about it for a while. Why? How? What do you think is different about you? Well, I was, I guess you could say liberal when I was growing up in, in high school and everything in Colorado. But I wasn't super liberal. I thought Obama was cool. And my senior year of, of high school, I ended up working for this Democrat senator. I was interested in politics, just of you know how it worked and all these kind of things. So I went and worked in that and to impress this this girl who I knew as well. She was into politics too, you know. So that's how most things get done for yeah, high school boys. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you understand. And so I went and did that, but it it, everything changed when I went to college and I went to CU Boulder and I was an English major, which was a useless degree at, and taking a sociology class, which was a useless class. And there's a black girl sitting next to me in my class. And my teacher looks at me and points at me and says, you are oppressing this girl next to you because of the color of your skin. Oh, you know, and, the, and this, this seemed really weird to me. And then this girl's looking at me like, this is really awkward. Like, I don't know what's going on here. And I didn't feel like I was oppressing this girl. And this girl didn't feel like she was oppressing me. But this white teacher at this $50,000 a year university gets to come and tell me that I'm oppressing someone, right? And it's like I went to a high school where I was the minority. You know, it was mostly black and Hispanic kids. And I was the minority. And then I got to get scholarships and do all these things to get into college with my good grades and good scores on tests and things to then go in there and have some teacher basically tell me that, that she hates me and that, that I'm oppressing people. I mean, what kind of a mindset is that? That's how you create a victim mentality in America. And and luckily, I was able to break out of it. I mean, I saw through it and I said, this is ridiculous. Like, there's no way that this is true. I'm not oppressing anyone. If anything, I, I, 
it, it just blew my mind, right? And so then I started hearing about all these different conservative events and causes and stuff. Heard about PragerU and Turning Point USA. And I would set up a table on my campus and I would just go and debate kids all day. I missed my classes because I would just go and debate kids. I hated going to class in, in college. Ended up making a video for PragerU. They loved it. Ended up offering me a job. And, you know, this is all bridged version, but ended up dropping out of college, moving to Los Angeles and going to work for PragerU about seven years ago. So never looked back. Many of you remember Dr. Zelenko, the courageous doctor who saved countless lives using hydroxychloroquine during the pandemic. Dr. Z not only saved lives in the United States, but many countries adopted his protocols and he saved even more lives around the world. Since those early days, him and his team at ZStack developed an entire line of immunity building supplements from Z Detox to Z Shield to Z Night. Now they also have Kids ZStack. It's the same as the adult ZStack, but formulated to protect kids from the onslaught they will see this cold and flu season. What many don't know about Dr. Z was his passion to end child trafficking. Before he passed away, he partnered with Mission Safe Harbor, and now a portion of every sale of Kids ZStack is donated to help end child trafficking. Now you can protect your kids while also helping to protect kids everywhere. Buy using the link below or go to sarahwestall.com under shop. Know you are protecting your entire family while also helping to end child trafficking. Well, that's awesome. And I, I, I agree with you because it's, it's a, a young boy, white boy growing up in a trailer park with terrible parents that abuse them. How can you say they're privileged over a black person who grew up with surgeons, great parents, maybe in Manhattan or wherever, all over the country, but grew up in a really stable, good household with two parents that love them, great education, and compared to a young boy that grew up in a trailer park. I wouldn't say all trailer park kids are like that. I don't, I don't want to like necessarily No, but I get the say, message that you're, I obviously yeah. get the message that you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It's just such a ridiculous situation to claim that all people of one type are oppressing all people of another type. It's just, mm -hmm. That's just not, I mean, there are some truth to it, right? To a certain degree that you get some favorable things, but to make that generalization is absolutely crazy. Of course. Well, people are individual. And Ayn Rand said the smallest minority is the individual. But again, it comes down to looking at people as groups. If you can turn people into groups, into conglomerates, what do you do? You take away people's individuality. If you take away people's individuality, then they feel like they no longer have to think for themselves. And there is a, a queen bee, a hive mind that is thinking for them. They are turned into useful puppets, into, into slaves who will do your bidding because they don't want to be ostracized from the group. It's Again, and the same thing happens in the Republican Party. Oh, you're a Republican and you might have some some ideas about how, you know, I'm trying to use some sort of example. Uh, FDR's New Deal, his public work programs were actually some good for the country by giving people jobs, even though it was a government program. That that something like that could get you expelled from from the party, like something like that. You know what I mean? But people won't go up and say that there are differences of ideas and this kind of stuff because they're too worried about getting expelled from whatever group they're a part of. You know, someone in the Black Lives Matter crowd doesn't want to come and say something pro about white people because that would get them expelled from the crowd, and they would rather be safe in the herd than an individual thinking for themselves. Well, and that's their point, right? That's what they want to keep getting us to. That's why COVID worked is this herd mentality. People afraid to step out of the herd, right? And and so it took courageous people to help them see that their behavior is hurting themselves. But you have been going around doing these clips. I don't know if you have been doing them lately, but 
gosh, some of them are so funny. Some of the clips that you do where Thank I, you. I, yeah, I love them. And I, so I want to show a few of them here, but what was the message? What were you trying to get across with these street clips that you do? Well, it all obviously in, in, a, in a vacuum, it always depended on the video I was doing, whether I was asking people what is socialism and define it, who was Stalin, um, what is how high should the minimum wage be, when is it okay to abort a child? I mean, I did 100 or more of these, these man on the street videos doing this. But the main point of going around and doing this, the pinnacle principle of everything I did was to change people's minds. I wanted people's minds to change, whether that was the person I was interviewing on the street or on a college campus, or it was a person who was watching the video, that they would learn something. I didn't just go out there to make the, the liberals look stupid or the college students look stupid. Of course, many times they did that to themselves. That's just the nature of, of going and interviewing people about these things. But the point was that even if this person made themselves look stupid, they would learn something. You know, it wasn't just, oh, here's the clip of this person looking stupid. Now laugh at them. It was, okay, this person didn't know the answer. How can I now educate them on the truth about the question that I just asked them? That was the idea. And it wasn't a debate. I wasn't going out there and, and debating all these people who I was talking to. I was asking questions. And you will find that asking questions to people with the facts weaved into your questions is a far greater tool to change people's minds than ever going and just telling someone what the truth is about something if they don't agree with you. This is how we should be going towards all these conversations with people is that they are they are done with compassion and through questioning to actually hear the other person so that then they are defending themselves instead of you just telling them what to think. And they will be much more receptive and open-minded to hearing a different point of view if you are doing it in a way where you are hearing them, not just them hearing you. Do, do you feel like you made a difference? Have you heard this? you change people's minds? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, I hate to, to brag or anything like that, but I know plenty of people who have said that I was the reason that they became conservative. They learned something from my videos. They thought about something in a way they never heard. I would have people come to me at events and, and at different talks and all sorts of stuff and tell me just how influential my videos were to them. For the, for the way that they learned and the way that they were able to go, if they were already conservative, go and have conversations with people and talk to them. I mean, it was really, I tried, you know, I tried not to let my, my pride come in with all these people coming and telling me these things, but really it was remarkable how much good I felt like I did with these, these videos of people being able to really wake up to the truth. I would say some of this stuff isn't conservative. It might even be classical liberal, classical liberal you know, liberalism or even libertarian, how we, you know, how we founded our country is based on libertarian views. I would say that all of that's kind of up in the air. They, anything that's not with the really far left right now, you know, this communist takeover, they've decided to make all of that far right and conservative when really it's not necessarily that. It never really was that. It's just kind of like common sense. I, I want to play some of these. You had a clip where you were dressed up as a Mexican, right? I, which I love because my family, my husband's Mexican and my kids are Mexican, half Mexican. So I loved that clip. I'm going to play it. Hola amigos, this is Will Witt with PragerU. Today we're at UCLA talking to college students and on Olvera Street talking to Hispanics in honor of Halloween and to see if my outfit is offensive. <laughs> Dang it. Would you guys like to chat with us today? No. That's what we want to talk to you about. Hola. You find my outfit offensive? Yes. You find it offensive? <laughs> Do you find it offensive? Uh, maybe a little. Do you think my outfit is offensive? Are you Mexican? No. 
Yes. I think it reaffirms stereotypes that are offensive to people. You think people really think Mexican people are like this and carry around marachas? No, I don't think people actually think that. Do you find my outfit offensive? Yes. Yeah. Why? Because it's not your culture. Cultural appropriation? Why do you say that? Because you're not, like, Mexican. Do you think Mexican food is, like, cultural appropriation? No. Someone else's culture that we've kind of taken. Is this cultural appropriation? Oh, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, you don't really understand what their culture means and what it means to wear these things, like the hats and the maracas. You, know, you sort of have to understand where all of this comes from for it to not be cultural appropriation. It's not yours. <laughs> Can I just ask you, do you like my costume? I like your, your, your mustache. Do you? Monthly. <laughs> Does my outfit offend you? You look, no, no, no. You look nice. Thank you. Do you like my costume? Yes. Does it offend you? Yes. Uh, no. No. No, nothing. That's good. Me guapo? This is guapo. This is a beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Acabo, are you guys insulting me? No, no, it's not. Insulting me in Spanish? Um, do you like Do you like my outfit? Oh yeah, it's awesome. Does my outfit offend you? No, not at all. Some people get offended by what I'm wearing. No, it's not. It's not offensive. I think it's uh, you're in the right atmosphere. Yeah. Único dice de mostacho, no original. No, no, not no original. Do you know who sold me this? No idea. Mexicans. Oh, really? And so you're white and you get offended, but then Mexican people who sold me this and made me this don't get offended. Yes. Seems kind of weird, doesn't it? I love it, actually. You think it's offensive? No, not at all. Some people get really offended by this. Why do you think that is? I don't know, just you're not Mexican, so people think that you have to be Mexican to wear that. I'm celebrating Mexico. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you Mexican? I am. See? I'm not wearing it. See? Well, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should swap out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so what did you think about this? Oh, that was, if when I go and see people or I'm walking around the airport or wherever it is and people recognize me, it is almost always that video that people recognize me from, from the Mexican video. Or they say, you know, I this is my favorite video of yours that you ever did. I mean, that video probably has over... 250 million views combined all over everything. I mean, it's just in, in, insane how many people have seen that video. That video was so impactful and so many people have seen it because of the fact that it is irrefutable evidence that the left is wrong on this issue. You know, I love it when you can do something that it just completely proves the left wrong on something. It's not some like, you know, factual thing or, or you know, you did a research paper and proved through economics and stats that they were wrong. It was a video where you are seeing people react to it right there in front of you. It is like citizen science almost, you know, where you are going out and performing a, an experiment in the field. And that's what we did. And we proved that the left is wrong about cultural appropriation, that it is not cultural appropriation, but cultural appreciation. And that's that the right. people who are supposed to be offended by these things are not. It is only other people with weaknesses and nothing really of value going on in their own lives who get offended on behalf of other people. And that's what we set out to prove. And, and 
Yeah, we did it. We did it with a couple videos. I mean, we did it with the one where I dressed up as a Mexican for Halloween. Then I did a, a Chinaman. Did the same thing where I went to UCLA again, dressed up as a Chinaman. All of them hate it. Then I went to Chinatown where they sold me the costume. And they, of course, all loved it. I had a Chinese translator <laughs> with me for some of it. And then another one where I dressed up as an Indian, you know, for Thanksgiving. And the students, I mean, they ripped off my headdress and, and everything. But then I went to the Navajo reservation and asked them the same questions, you know, and they they were completely fine with it. Well, because it's like this so silly. My daughter, who's half Mexican, made a statement. This was in high school, so it was about six years ago now. And she called something Mexican. And one of the girls that were next to her was so offended that she would call something Mexican, you know, like as if just calling something Mexican was bad. Yeah, She's, that's like a, that's, that's on them. Like if you're saying, oh, just calling some Mexican bad, that's like that's very racist of you. That's right. And I, I, she came home and said, Mom, I mean, I, I was just being honest. I'm Mexican. And I, it was just so stupid. So what was the other, another clip? Because I want to play a couple of these and, and show people your work in that way. Because, you know, my, my audience is older. And so getting a glimpse of what your generation is doing is so good for my audience. What would be another clip that I should show? I would say the other one that I did with PragerU was where a student called the cops on me at Cal State LA for uh, apparently threatening him with his with my ideals. <laughs> okay, I'm going to play that right now. So a leftist student on campus just called campus security on us because apparently we were terrorizing people and riling people up with our dangerous, horrible ideas. Let's see what these these people have to say. Hi, um, there are two people on our campus right here who are with a, a conservative group who are here to try to your monger students. Prager U. Like Prager University, but they're not an actual legitimate university. Well, they're going up to students and they're trying to ask them questions and such. The goal. Have you seen our stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you, what do you not like? Exactly. Everything that you guys stand for. What do we stand for? Misinformation. Like what misinformation? Oh, <laughs> trust me, you guys are really good at it. So we're just curious. No, you're not. I'm on a security. No, you're not. I'd love to know. No, you wouldn't. Well, that's why we're asking. No, you're not. I just asked you. No. How can we help? Uh, could you remove these two from the campus, please? The reason? Because they're here to fearmonger students, and that's not okay. Fearmonger. Yeah. Because these are people who are coming in and instigating and terrorizing our students on this campus, and that's not okay. I think all that are they telling do. you that you can't leave the area? Are they threatening you specifically in any way? Not specifically. They're threatening me with their language, with their ideals. <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean, if your ideals are, or your, their language doesn't conform to what your thinking is, that's well, what not. that's what it's that's what freedom of speech is. It's not. So my if thinking, you agree with something, he agrees with something else. You guys agree to disagree. As long as they're, they're not want. taking you against your will, right. as long as they're not threatening you physically, they're allowed to have their opinion just as much as you're allowed to have yours. So there's nothing you guys can do. No, sir. That's freedom of speech. So that means they're allowed to terrorize students by using Once their... Once again, terrorize is the word that you're using. That's your opinion. I'm here to help you as much as you right. can, but I'm trying to figure out what law they're breaking right now. So you t I'm trying to figure that out. That's why I'm asking you. You just keep, keep giving me ideas, your opinions. And the law is not about opinions, it's about facts. Okay. Are we done here, guys? Thank you, guys. Right. Appreciate it. Have a good afternoon. Sorry for offending you. Anyway, thank you. As you can see, leftists don't support freedom of speech. I have dangerous ideas. I have ideas that are so terrible he can't even say what they are. 
they will not allow a difference of opinion on their campus that doesn't conform to their leftist agenda. Okay, so what is it that we, what do you think about that one now that we've, people have seen it? That was one of the greatest moments of my life, that, that clip where this, this student comes and, and calls the cops on me for just interviewing students and asking them questions. That's all I was doing. It's all the video shows. And the student was so threatened by a difference of ideas that he literally tried to call the cops. And then the cops schooled him and said, you know, this is First Amendment. This is free speech. He can do whatever he wants and, and ask people questions. And the kid just, you know, ran off pouting for because nothing could be done. You know, these people are supposed to hate the police, yet this this kid is, uh, you know, calling the police to save him from troubling ideas from me, this this right-wing extremist coming in and influencing people. And it's just so funny to see how offended these people get at these at these kind of things. You know, there's no sense of, of him coming and trying to debate the ideas with me or tell me why I'm wrong or any of these kind of things. It is just merely, I don't like what you say, I'm going to use power to take you over. And this is this is one thing that's a that's a critical point in understanding the left is that, you know, we're always looking as conservatives, which is part of why we lose so much, is that we're looking to call out the hypocrisy of the left. We say, oh, the left, they're hypocrites. They, they do this, and yet they say, my body, my choice for, uh, you know, abortion, but don't believe in, believe in it for the vaccine and things like this, you know. But at the end of the day, obviously, the left doesn't care about hypocrisy because they are in power. If they have power, then hypocrisy means nothing. You know, it could be hypocritical for them to be holding a gun to your head, but they're still holding a gun to your head. They have the power, right? So we have to stop thinking of things in terms of hypocrisy with the left and just trying to call them out for being hypocrites. We need to understand as conservatives that hasn't worked for us. How do we take the power back and go on offense and say, okay, how do we take the power back from these people who are destroying our country and turning it to rot because obviously just calling out their hypocrisy isn't doing anything to solve it. You know, I got to say, I'm going to keep saying this, but, you know, I grew up in a different era and I realize it's the Midwest. So we tend to be just naturally probably more conservative, but that these views were just normal views when I was growing up. You know, it's it, it, the whole country has shifted a lot. I mean, you wouldn't mm. have to say these are conservative views. Those were just average views of average Americans. I mean, it was the country has really moved in a different direction, which yeah. is interesting when I hear, you know, these are conservative values. I'm like, well, God, they just seem like average normal values to me. But, you know, maybe my background is just more conservative than I realized. But I think a lot of people who grew up in my generation can connect to what you're saying as just normal. You know, I mean, a lot of Democrats can. My point is, and if you can reach some of those people, just like so many young people who thought they were, you know, left, really left, is you got to open their mind and they saw things differently. So I think that this country is ripe to really flip and go in a different direction. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, but, you know, we talk about these like common sense values, these conservative values, and that's definitely true. I mean, these things are, of course, common sense. You can't change your gender. Uh, everyone should be treated the same as an individual. The world isn't going to end in 10 years because of climate change. I mean, these are just obvious truths that are so simple right in front that's of you. That's right. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, is that because the left has gone so radical with so many of these things and so never ending in their in their screeching, you know, it's, it's the best word I can use for it, like vultures and harpies, these people coming and screaming these things from the hilltop. It has turned a lot of people much more conservative. 
than would be just, you know, common sense like myself. I am very conservative now, much more than just the common sense, you know, uh, I guess conservatism that we're talking about. I mean, it has made me totally relook at history and do reading and, yes. and, and watching and learning and all sorts yes. of things to understand where a society falls, you know, and even though like you're talking about your generation, I don't know, 30 years ago or something like that, 20, 30 years ago, were more conservative in that time. The, the groundwork was being laid for where we are today. You know, these things didn't just pop out of nowhere, right. out of, out of mid yep. uh, thin air to, to now be where we are today. These things were already being planned out a long time ago since, you know, I mean, even the, the, the October revolution in, in, in Russia was in the early 1900s, when 1914, you know, the, the communist takeover in Russia. So these yep. things have been going on for a very long time. And it's very important for people to understand how societies fall and and where America is on that, that timeline. That's right. We all fall asleep. And so now we're in this situation where we have to retake it. I would say the more I learn, the more libertarian I become, where I just don't want, you know, I, I, small government is, I become more and more, I just don't want bad guys having any kind of power over me is the bottom yeah. line. And I don't trust anybody in these positions to have the wisdom to do what's right for me and my family, because they have shown time and time again that they don't care about me and my family. And so the only way me and my family can do well is for them to get the heck out of my life. So yeah. I think that's what I think more people are coming to the conclusion of, I think, because we just lived through COVID, which was the most obvious educational thing of how we don't want them in our life telling us what to do on anything. Yeah, I think it's definitely, I think it's very, uh, a very tough thing for conservatives to grapple with right now, if they go the more libertarian route, or if they go the more, I guess you could say conservative heavy handed route, right? Like you look at a country like Hungary, and Hungary is a country that is very conservative, but they use the tools of government at their disposal to maximize, I guess you yep. could say conservative freedom for people. I would say I fall more into that camp. You know, I think about the the stuff going on with like trans bathrooms and stuff like that. And I think to myself, you know, what is the, the small government solution to fixing that? What is the small government solution to to fixing these, these rioters who come and destroy our cities you know if you have no no government and, and and national guard and these kind of things to stop these kinds of people then how do you stop how do you stop it you know the, I, I can't think of a reason so but it's a slippery slope because obviously if you have the wrong guys in power with a bigger government then they're going to do the things that aren't good for the people and so it's like is there really a perfect solution i don't i don't no. think there really is a perfect no. solution but but unfortunately the left looks for you know some sort of communist utopia as a perfect solution and then uh, the right maybe looks for some sort of like totally free market libertarian utopia as a solution. But really the only real solution is looking to God for leadership in everything that we do. And if we believe that God's law is perfect, then really we should be governing by the laws of God instead of just thinking about our own selfish visions and, and, and aims in the way that we're looking at the world. But unfortunately we don't do that and nothing will ever be any sort of utopia because man is not perfect. And we have to look towards the eyes of towards God if we really want to fix this country in that way. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think uh, I'm not an extreme libertarian in the sense that I think there's a government tool. But, you know, the, the idea is if you're hurting someone else, like with the LGBT, you know, some of the, the bathrooms for transgender students and stuff, you might help that one student, supposedly. I mean, you can make an argument, but you're hurting a lot of other people. So if your behavior is hurting others, then it's not okay, right? That's 
the traditional libertarian view is you can't hurt others. And so, so many of these things are going down and hurting the masses while it's helping a few. And yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. Unfortunately, so much, you know, these, these people will say, well, if, you know, it's happening in, the, in your own bedroom, you're not hurting anyone else and these kind of things. That's just not true. These things that do happen in people's households leak into the fabric of society and you take the things that you do at home, the evil things, the immoral things, and they leak out into the rest of society. If you're doing all these drugs and, and all these things outside, inside the home and just by yourself, well, these things leak into your mental capacity and turn you into a different type of person. And then you do take these things outside, right? Just as like one example, the things that people do even in private and immoral things can turn into bigger problems for, for society if you let them fester. And now 20 years ago, I mean, we didn't have gay marriage around in this country and all these kind of things. And now you can't go five seconds on social media or anywhere without saying something about gay or being trans or whatever it is, because we have allowed these things that are, you know, these, these bedroom things, whatever, to now leak out into the rest of society. And now we have this. Yeah, well, I think the the transgender agenda is a little bit different than the gay agenda. But that being said, it's a cultural thing. Do you think that should be legislated as much as we just have to work on our culture? Well, I think it comes down to both. You know, obviously, I think that you're not going to be able to, in a free society with enlightenment principles, you're not going to be able to have a society that legislates against people being trans or anything like that, obviously. But there does need to be a more coercive effort to curb these kinds of things. And like something that DeSantis, like DeSantis, I believe, has done a great job in Florida with a lot of the things that he has done, where he has banned women in, in, or men in, in girls' sports, you know, saying trans whatever in girls sports ban different bathroom things ban surgeries for people in the state of florida and these estrogen uh for producers young kids. and, and for right. young kids and you know these kind of things you know i mean he's done all these this stuff this is great stuff it's common sense it's it's easy to do and he did it and it's and it's an amazing thing you know so i think that you know you have to be able to solve the things culturally but if there is a way to legislate to help protect the innocent then i think that should be done too well, in those cases, protect the innocent is paramount, right? And, and mm -hmm. people that I know, you know, the LGBT, tra the transgender agenda, which is a different agenda than, you know, people say that uh, there's always the same percentage of gay, naturally the same percentage of gay people through history. It's, it's unnatural now, the number of people who are gay because they've popularized made it popular to be that way, right? And yeah. so you're always going to have this natural, organic number of people, and we got we got to accept and respect them. That's my opinion on that. But this transgender situation where they're create popularizing changing your sex when you're little is that's not organic. That's created because it's always been a very, very small percentage of people in the population who are organically that way right that they that they had to deal with now that's skyrocketed it's no longer organic and that's a cultural problem and if you're going to be having those kind of problems then you got us we're hurting too many people bottom line too many kids are being hurt yeah well i mean adults are being hurt too you know kids yes. and adults all the people right. in america are being hurt by this agenda that's right. they did a study i think it was either at stanford or harvard they did polling at stanford and harvard and it was like 50% of the students identified as LGBTQ, as some sort of whatever, 
whatever yeah, that that's means. That's my point. Th- that's I mean, not organic. That's it's just, not real. These yeah, things are not. pushed onto people that's right. to, to tell them that they can be a part. Again, this group mentality. You are not an individual who knows how to think for yourself. You are trans or, or bisexual or whatever. You're any of these things that we can now tell you you're a part of because the culture says that this is the best thing you can be. And also you get victim points for being one of these people. It makes them feel good to be in one of these minority statuses. And now they can get some sort of victim status from you know people excuse me people will look at them in a different lens and say okay well now i have to uphold this person because they're part of this minority group there is nothing like that for straight white guys like me you know but there is for for a trans black disabled whatever that you can make that for to give people virtue signaling points that's right okay so you've had billions of views now at this point with your videos when you're walking around the street do people recognize you especially in your age group they do. Yeah, it's it's really nice. I've had some fantastic people come up to me and who I've talked to, some people who have who have become friends and things like that. I mean, really just incredible people who 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 have seen my videos and seen what I do. Have you had the opposite where you've been, you know, people yell at you and tell you you're a moron? Or whatever yeah. negative yeah, thing. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I understand. Not so much just like walking around the street or anything like that. Basically, everyone walking around the street, it's all positive. But when I'm doing my work, I definitely get people who know me who will recognize me and say, oh, there's that guy, you know, you you Nazi, you you racist, whatever it is. Nazi. There. Jeez. Yeah, Nazi is a socialist, which is not what you are. But yeah, well, it just doesn't make any sense. Obviously, you know, it's it's so far from from any sort of reality, the only historical context that most of these people know how to point back to because they haven't been educated on history is World War II. And so then they say, oh, Nazi, and it's the only real thing that they know. So well, they use it as a, a bludgeoning tool when they don't have an argument against any sort of factual uh, factual means. Well, they want to make any, they want to make it out to be that it's authoritarianism versus being just this populist trying we're trying to beat that out of what's happening and so then they want to point and say your tyranny your authoritarianism you're a nazi it's like it's because that's all they know it's really interesting so you went and worked for PragerU. i just have a couple more questions you went and worked at PragerU. what was the most some of the most enlightening things that you've learned there and is it something that you think I mean, it's changed your life and what have you learned and um, good and bad? Yeah, PragerU was the most amazing experience. I mean, I dropped out of college to go and work for them. Um, I no longer, I haven't worked for them for about two years now, but but Dennis Prager as the as a huge mentor for me was just incredible. He's given me so much good advice and helped me with so many things. The, I think the best thing about working for PragerU is that they very much had my back in so much, in so many things. You know, as I started, when I started out at PragerU, I mean, I was, what, 20-year-old kid who was just kind of baseline conservative, didn't know too much, was kind of just saying all the things that all the other conservatives were saying uh, until I started reading a lot more and getting a lot more into it and starting seeing so much more. And even when I started developing, I guess you could say, ideas that weren't necessarily what aligned exactly with PragerU and and doing all these things, they supported me anyway. They were okay with that. They were okay with that as a personality who was there, but also gave a different point of view, you know? And that was something that I don't know if a lot of other conservative organizations would do, uh, at least at the time. 
And also, obviously, no leftist organizations do that because they don't they don't like any sort of dissent. And so PragerU was very welcoming to me as I as I developed myself, developed my views and and everything that I did. So I was very happy with working with them. They were all just great people. I was I loved working for them. I just didn't want to live in Los Angeles anymore. So I had to I had to leave L.A. You know, I lived in Hollywood for six years and not the place that I wanted to be. You, you know, not the place so. Yeah, I escaped. escaped communism. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. But that's great that they allowed you to be a free thinker. They allowed mm-hmm. you to have independent thought because it's that process of thinking independently and thinking hard about these things that make you better at being a, an influence. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it means that I can go and be challenged by ideas and not sit down and cry or be dumbstruck by someone coming and saying to me, it's that I have a holistic view of all the ideas. You know, I've said this in in a couple other interviews, but I was like, if I went to one of these, these debates or one of these events of like Ben Shapiro or Matt Walsh or something, I could debate them as a much better leftist, a much better communist than any of these other kids who are these communists or leftists could. You know, because I've done the research, I've gone and and read the books and and seen what these people say and talked to thousands of people, literally thousands of people on the streets and, and doing this to hear what these kind of ideas and point of views are and and understand exactly how these people's minds work, you know, which I don't think a lot of other conservative people have done. Uh, that I that I've I've been able to do in my in my line of work. So I think just being able to have that that larger point of view of going and and talking to people is is so important. It is so important. It's why we can't be stuck in our bubbles and and stuck in That's just, you know, right. conservative Twitter and only looking at that. You should be looking at everything to understand the world to then make your opinions even stronger. And, you know, and, and, and learn all of the facts of an issue. It's like you shouldn't say the truth about something until you know the other side of it, too. That's right. And but it takes patience, doesn't it? Because a lot of people yeah. just get so frustrated with the stupidity that it's uh, it's hard to have that patience. So how did you develop the patience to deal with the stupidity? Because, I mean, that's I what you were doing. You were yeah, running, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> people have, oh, people no. have asked me that question. People have asked me that question. They'll say, you know, how do you not just laugh? How do you not get so mad? I mean, I guess I say that, again, the purpose of my videos has been to change people's minds. If you laugh at someone or or get angry with then you're obviously not going to change this person's mind properly. But in terms of just developing, you know, patience, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just kind of when I would just get my mic and have my cameraman follow me around and go and talk to people, I never, I just naturally never felt like I was going to lose my temper or, or, you know, laugh at someone hysterically for what they said. You know, it just never really happened to me in, in that sense. I don't know, just natural, I guess, you know, some people are just born with natural things. And for me, I guess, patience talking to, to loony leftists was, was just one of my, my gifts, I suppose. That's a skill because I, I know it's very hard for a lot of us to do that, and but it's important. It's probably one of the most important things to have right now. Yeah, it takes practice for sure. You definitely have to go out there and have those conversations. If you're not having conversations with people who disagree with you and putting a, a forward effort into making them conversations, not just debates, then you're not going to be someone who is very good at changing people's minds. You need to be going and practicing your craft and and again, finding that holistic view about the things that you believe in. 
we shouldn't be calling them stupid morons. <laughs> I mean, listen, you know, <laughs> it's not effective. Not so much in changing minds, but the, the point <laughs> of it is, is that you can call the ideas stupid morons and you should, when it comes That's to right. ideas, you should be unflinching about the ideas. You know, yeah. God is unflinching about the truth. You know, it, right. it is a perfect truth. And so that means that when you see ideas, you can call them out exactly for what they are. Abortion is evil. These types of organizations that push these things is evil. You know, you, you have to call them out 100% with the maximum amount of strength that you can, you know. But when it comes to talking to individual people, it's not that you are sacrificing the truth when you're talking to them. It's rather that you are coming to them in a sense of compassion and actually wanting to understand to be able to change that person's mind. So you're not sacrificing the truth. You are just doing in a way that is actually conducive to hearing what someone else has to say to be able to change their mind more effectively. That's right. That's that's the approach. So where can people follow you? Where can they learn what you're doing? And you got your new book out. So give us the plug on you and where they can find your book and the whole thing. Yeah, you guys can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any of that kind of stuff at the Will Wit. That's W-I-L-L-W-I-T-T. And then my new book is called Do Not Comply, Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Elite. Get on Amazon, Books a Million, anywhere books are sold, really. Well, thank you so much, Will. And uh, good luck on the selling the book. And thank you for stepping up and being a voice like this. It's really good having that courage. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. You're welcome.